We begin today with a beat check with the most powerful woman in state government. Florida Lieutenant Governor Jeanette Nunez was back in town this week with the governor as he hosted Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Their meeting was about U.S. foreign policy in Latin America with special emphasis on Venezuela. Lieutenant Governor Nunez of South Dade was a key part of the conversation. She is a former top state lawmaker and now is the governor's point person with the legislature pushing through his agenda and hers. We sat down to speak with the lieutenant governor late this week. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Great to see you. Good morning. Great Always to great you. to see you. Thank you. Both. We appreciate you being here. All right. You and your team, you and Governor DeSantis, have gone into this legislative session with the momentum. You've got the leverage, approval ratings in the mid-60s. I mean, this is really extraordinary for a second year. And yet you're getting some pushback from people, as you expected. And let's begin then with education, because the teachers' unions in the state, yes, they want more pay, 47.5 a year to go to starting teachers, but they're saying you're neglecting teachers who have been on the job for a while who don't make 47.5. What are you going to do about that? It's unfortunate that they've decided to take that position early on instead of working with us and really touting what the governor is doing with regards to starting teacher pay. Uh, the governor unveiled a bold proposal. That's been the theme of his administration thus far. He's really wanted to take action on this issue because he recognizes the challenges, um, the challenges with recruitment and bringing in teachers right. with the shortages that we're seeing uh, long term for our state and also uh, making sure that we are no longer sort of towards the end of the pack with regards to um, our other states comparing us to other states. He wants us to be at the top of the pack for starting teacher pay. So we're looking forward to working with the legislature and finding a solution to that issue. Um, but again, it's unfortunate that the union chooses to play politics and, and use that as a backdrop for political theater. You know, now that the session is underway, there has been a little bit of a pushback exactly that in the legislature. You know, we, we were up there a year ago for the inauguration and it seemed like there was a really nice start between the executive branch and the legislative branch, a, a little bit different than the pre previous mm. sessions. And now, you know, the rubber kind of hits the road. And um, talk a little bit, if you would, Lieutenant Governor, about specifically this issue and the, and the pushback you seem to be getting in the legislature. What I'd say about the relationship with the legislative branch, it's as solid today as it was back then. Um, of course, we're going to have to work through some challenges. They have the appropriations role, and so they're in charge of crafting a budget that's going to be obviously balanced and reflect their priorities. But they've also recognized that the governor has some significant priorities in that education, and not just with regards to teacher pay, but overall. Um, and so, but we want to make sure that we do it in a way that's fiscally responsible and takes into account the hard work working citizens that contribute to that budget. So I know that we'll have some discussions, uh, but the governor is very eager to work with them and, and we'll continue to see how that issue in particular folds out. Yeah, well, not to put too fine a point on it, what you're saying I hear is, okay, we are willing to negotiate both with the legislature and with the teachers' unions. We will find a way so that veteran teachers are more fairly compensated than they are now, and a beginning teacher is not going to be paid more than one with, say, 
five years experience, which would be the case. Governor DeSantis, I think, was very clear both last year when he retooled the Best and Brightest program um, and even this year in recognizing that we need to do something for all of our teachers, clearly, our veteran teachers that have been spending years and years in the classroom molding yeah. our future generations. So he wants to make sure um, that we are retooling and revamping that program that they'll yeah. be able to benefit from. But of course, yeah. we're going we're gonna to have to start somewhere. And cafeteria workers, bus drivers, people, school, classroom aides, I mean, there are a lot of people who work in the schools who are not teachers. Of course, there's a lot of people that add to that education experience, but right now his focus is on teachers. Um, his focus is on really starting teachers because, again, we're seeing the long-term problems for our state if right. we're not able to recruit right. and retain and get the best teachers into our system. Another one of the governor's priorities, he, he talked about it a lot, uh, the E-Verify system and making it a law that businesses, both public and private, use this federal database to make sure people that they hire, their immigration status is legal. He's been very vocal about that, and now we hear Senate President Bill Galvano said, well, yeah, that's not one of my priorities. What do you expect as this, you know, th this is kind of half of a law, it's being amended now to make it sort of e verified light. What kind of fight is that going to be, do you, do you project? That, as you mentioned, is something he's been very vocal about, both on the campaign trail and in his first year as governor. And while we uh, heard what Pre Senate President Galvano said, we also know that Senate President Galvano is someone that is willing to work with us. And I think he's going to allow his chamber, um, as he does with most issues, to really flesh out the proposals. There's two competing proposals, uh, the E-Verified Light that you referenced, and one that is uh, more solidly around what the governor is envisioning. Uh, but but we're, really, we're really strongly focused on trying to see that uh, to fruition. Yeah. What is, can, let me just yeah, follow up sure. with, with that. There, aside from the Senate, there's some business interests. Some of the economic engines of Florida, business people are really worried about using E-Verify. Yeah. Agricultural businesses, uh, the tourism, the service sector. Um, and, and I know the governor, one of his priorities is business and growing business. Right. Talk about that if you would. Certainly, and, and you're right. We've heard those uh, concerns from the agricultural industry and others for years. Um, but the governor is insistent that we want to make sure that businesses are complying with the law. Now, that said, we also have done quite a bit in our administration to address some of the challenges that small and medium-sized businesses have with in terms of regulation and onerous things that Florida's government in the past has, has imposed on them. So we recognize that businesses obviously want to do the right thing. We hope they want to do the right thing. And really, we, we believe that they should comply with the law and, and we really are not focused on, on what the impact is going to be. I think Florida businesses usually se step up to the plate, they do the right thing and they'll find a way to adapt to this new proposal. Yeah. Lieutenant Governor, you well know you were in the legislature. A hot issue in Florida for years has been parental consent for a minor having a baby, a girl 17 or younger, and the law in Florida now says yes that child, that young woman, must get parental consent. But there's a bill in the legislature that says that has to be in writing now. Uh, if we've already got a law that says that, why uh, do we need another law? And why did the governor say to the legislature opening day, send me this bill and I'll sign it? 
Well, again, I think he's always been very consistent in his philosophy, standing on the side of, of life, um, and I think clarity in, in the law. You know, you see so many laws that pass either by a constitutional amendment or by the legislature, and then there's all sorts of lawsuits and, and this ambiguity around the application of the law. So we want to be very clear that that's where we stand. We stand on the side of life. We want to stand on the side of, of parents, really, and, and yeah. as a mom of three children, um, that's something that concerns me. Yeah, you, you, you will, excuse me, you well, uh, no. 1989, the Florida Supreme Court looked at a law just like this and said it's unconstitutional. Now, there is a new Florida Supreme Court, thanks in large part to Ron DeSantis. I mean, is part of what they're doing here, the legislature is saying, okay, we've got a new, more conservative court. We think that this will pass muster with them. When Governor DeSantis appointed those three new justices, and now, as you know, we have an opportunity to yet again appoint two because two of those um, were uh, picked by President Trump right. to the federal court. Uh, but but we don't necessarily we're not focused on whether that court is conservative and is going to agree with us. We we want a court. We want a Supreme Court in which they're going to uh, be constitutional jurists. We don't want them legislating from the bench, and that's something I think that that's the focus, not necessarily that it swung the pendulum has swung to the right. You know, one of the um, vocal opponents of this parental consent bill, uh, for reasons that I don't think anybody would immediately realize, is Senator Lauren Book, who, uh, and this is my interpretation, just for the record, of, of what she had been saying, is really concerned about the most vulnerable of girls who may not have loving parents or a supportive uh, a structure around them, maybe um, foster kids or runaways. I wonder if there is a thought to how to structure the parental, a parental consent or guardian consent without unintended consequences to the most vulnerable among us. Absolutely. I mean, we care deeply about those in, in those uh, vulnerable situations, and so that's not and that's not our intent. Uh, we want to make sure that this law, um, if approved by the legislature, if signed by the governor, you know, again, in terms of clarity and, and eliminating am any ambiguity. Uh, but certainly, we want to make sure that we're addressing anything that's uh, related to those most vulnerable cases. One of the seems like perennially one of the big issues at the state level right now are the gun laws that are going through, and right now there is a move, especially in the Senate, to close what they call the gun show loophole. In other words, uh, background checks, tighten background checks for private sales. This is something that the Senate uh, Senate President is pretty high on. Uh, the governor is not so much. And uh, where do you see that going? Well, I think the Senate obviously has taken a position, or it looks like they're taking a position um, with regards to tweaking some of those gun laws. Um, quite frankly, I don't know if the House is entertaining those uh, those bills. Um, I would I would venture to think that those will get uh, bogged down in the House. But you know, haven't haven't been following what the House is doing or what their plans are for for those particular bills. Um, you know, that said, the governor is a strong supporter of Second Amendment rights. Um, we have a whole host of issues that we're trying to deal with with regards to child safety and child well-being and obviously on the heels of the tragic uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting you know there, there's a whole host of things that we've worked on um, as a legislature when I was in the legislature um, and now as the executive branch we want to make sure first and foremost that that our children are safe and that we're following those reports following the, the grand jury following the commission and making sure that that is our priority well if a bill arrived in the sort of unlikely possibility of uh, the legislature. I mean, maybe the Senate would pass 
a, a bill closing the gun show loophole that I don't think the House would. But in the event that it got to the governor, what do you think he would do? Well, I haven't talked to him about it, so I hate to put words in his mouth, but, you know, I think that's something he would uh, look at in, in the context of his support of Second Amendment rights and what yeah. does that do for the safety and, and general well-being of the public. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes the media do, in fact, say nice things about lawmakers. I know you don't believe that. <laughs> the, the Sun Sentinel had a really, I thought, very admirable editorial this week in which it gave a big attaboy to the governor and implicitly to you for a couple of things. And one of them was saying we're going to buy 20,000 acres of wetlands in the Everglades in West Broward County where the owners of that land had planned to do oil drilling. I guess my question is, uh, that land apparently is going to cost like $18 million. South Florida Water Management District just happens to have $18 million in their treasury. But, you know, uh, Amendment 1 said this is the kind of thing that we want to spend money on. Why isn't the governor going to just say, I'll dip into the Amendment 1 fund to buy that land? Well, I think we'll look at a number of options, um, but certainly I, I really believe if you take a look at the past year under Governor DeSantis's leadership, his environmental platform has been nothing short of historic. Uh, record funding, over $625 million last year, and we're hoping to get uh, just the same, if not a little more, this year. Uh, changes to the South Florida Water Management Board, mm -hmm. hiring the state's first chief resiliency officer, right. the, the state's first chief science officer, the Blue-Green Algae Task Force. I mean, the list goes yeah. on and on. So I think that uh, in terms of projects, in terms of funding, in terms of opportunities and funding sources, I think he'll do what makes the most sense and is the most feasible, and, and we'll just continue to plow forward with our partners in the legislature. There is uh, the Visit Florida uh, agency, I guess you would call it. Visit Florida has been one of those agencies that between the Rick Scott's governorship and the Ron DeSantis governorship has gone back and forth, and now... Uh, Governor DeSantis wants $50 million, wants to make it in eight years because right now Visit Florida shuts down in June if nothing happens. Mm -hmm. um, why, Lieutenant Governor, is a Visit Florida agency necessary when there are agencies around the state in Orlando, the Greater Miami Convention and Visitors Bureau, who do that marketing arm? Why should money be spent on a Visit Florida statewide uh, agency especially one that's had some questionable expenditures in the past. We covered the million-dollar pitbull ad and those kind of things. Why is that? So I lived that uh, <laughs> that uh, questionable expenditure that, that really raised the ire of a lot of, a lot of legislators. Um, and I, what I'll say about Visit Florida, obviously it's the public-private partnership, uh, t the tourism marketing, and there are local agencies that do a lot of that. But Visit Florida is sort of the statewide umbrella. Um, what people don't realize, in addition to branding and making sure from a both a national and international perspective. Um, it's branding Florida. It also deals with issues related to um, emergency management. So after the hurricanes, Visit Florida deploys and they really engage in making sure the public understands. Um, there's a lot of misperception about which are the areas that are impacted by storms. And so they, they get involved in that. And so I think that's a, an important aspect of what they do that has a statewide impact and why they're um, critical from the governor's perspective and why he fully funded them in his budget. Yeah, uh, Lieutenant Governor Nunez, you know, this week the state Supreme Court issued a ruling which many found just kind of shocking or very unusual. They said that it will no longer take a unanimous jury in a death penalty case, whereas since, I guess, 19, 
uh, or 2016, the court changed the criteria and said it had to be unanimous. Now, the legislature could go back and require, you know, that Florida law say it had to be unanimous. What, what, do you, what would you prefer there? Well, I don't, I don't know that I, I'm in a position to comment on a judicial uh, opinion or even what the legislature yeah. chooses to do since I am no longer in that branch. I, yeah. I affectionately call myself a recovering legislator. Um, <laughs> but, but I do believe that at the end of the day, we want victims of horrific crimes. And, and of course, we could talk about all day long all the different um, horrific crimes and, and the people that uh, have suffered greatly. Um, I think they want justice and they want it in a manner that will be swift and, of course, fair. Um, so we'll reserve judgment and see where that goes. But, um, of course, it's, it's something that weighs heavily, of course, on, on those of us that sure. have watched the, the challenges with the victims. Yeah. Well, we hope you recover from being a legislator. <laughs> it seems like you are doing very well with Governor Ron DeSantis. Let me just ask you quickly, uh, you and he seem to work together very well. Do you have breakfast regularly every Monday? Or when do you get together and sort of say, here's what we're working on this week, or here's what he'll say, Jeanette, get to work on this. <laughs> well, the challenges of his schedule and my schedule uh, don't lend itself to a consistent uh, weekly meeting, but we talk very frequently. Um, we're always in constant communication, especially as issues, as you know, ebb and flow, not only during session, but throughout the year. He's tasked me with a number of responsibilities in various areas, including health, cyber right. space. Um, so so we, we talk very frequently, and I make sure that I communicate with him the issues that are, um, from my perspective, that, that I'm working on and and he's just been a great partner and someone that has relied on me and has allowed me opportunities to really branch out and, and do great things in this position. It really does seem like you are one of the most active and involved lieutenant governors that yeah. in certainly in since Buddy record. McKay. I can't <laughs> and, and God bless him. He was a terrific Lieutenant Governor for Bob Graham, I think that you're in that category. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. I really do enjoy what I do. All right. Come back soon. I will. Okay. Thank you, thank you very much.